listen to Death and All the Rest. I'm Lizzie Salwin. And I'm Zoe Inglefield. back again we are going to continue our conversation with grief this week we talked a bit about it last week and I obviously was talking about what I've been doing to cope which is full escapism but you kind of hinted at the last end of last episode that you know it it affected you much differently than me and obviously you've had a lot more time to sort of sit with your grief but you know you had an experience of what you'd call delayed grief right well, yeah, I think um, in, a, in a nutshell, it was diagnosed as sort of delayed grief. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was originally diagnosed as post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Um, but I sort of, I mean, maybe call me conservative old-fashioned, but when I think of post-traumatic stress disorder, I sort of think of those men, young men in the war who yeah. had sort of just left their families or just got recently married, you know, away from them for four years Seeing people seeing, blown apart, oh, like, horrific cannot, shit, yeah, something that none of us could even understand. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it was PTSD. I don't know, but in a nutshell, it was delayed grief. So basically, you know, it didn't really sort of life sort of went on for three years after Mum mm-hmm. passed away, and you got your degree, you started nursing, got my degree. I was very fortunate in my jobs, and and got to travel young, and it, and it was sort of great, and um, and then sort of. A few sort of things happened, um, really minute things, like mm-hmm. maybe I got dumped by a boyfriend yeah. and things started to getting getting a little bit harder to to deal with, like mm-hmm. um, sort of everyday things that, it's a bit of a non-event, but and became more of an, an event for me, mm-hmm. I think. And so sort of... Out like of, those events were heightened for you because you had this underlying level of grief. I think Do you so. think? Yeah. Because I never, like you've talked about it before, I never really like... And it sounds awful now, but I'd never cried a lot. No. Or, I mean, anniversaries were hard, but sort of... You got on with it. You got on with it. Like, yeah. And, I mean, things would have happened that I can't remember now, but nothing huge sort of stood out. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, one, something had happened and, and I sort of got to work one day and, and, you know, one of the main things in my job was to, I was working in post-anesthetic, so mm-hmm. you'd get the the patient and you'd have to put a the monitoring on and I actually couldn't figure out how to get the blood pressure cuff on like mm-hmm. it's like my mind and body just didn't function mm-hmm. and I sort of got told to go home and and I don't yeah and then anyway I you like disassociated for sort a bit of, yeah but the scary thing was is I thought I was so in control of my emotions that, mm-hmm. that when actually you were probably bottling them up right probably and then yeah and so I went home and I was thinking, this is, and I, I, I remember getting home, I was still living at dad's and thinking, he, him saying, why are you home? And I sort of couldn't explain, mm-hmm. like, you know, so I went and had a shower and he heard a big thud mm-hmm. and I'd collapsed. I didn't even know. And mm. he, I, I got myself together and he was like, what was, what was all that about? And I was like, I just don't feel right. Um, and you told him you'd fainted in the shower? Yeah, and he's like, well, what's... He quite, quite clearly maybe had been obvious to the science. He was like, well, what, you know, what's going on? And I was like, I just don't feel... I can't explain it. Anyway, he took me to the doctor, and um, and I had to fill out this... I, when I got there, I didn't know what to say. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't feel right. And I had to fill out this sort of questionnaire, and it came up 
you know, she she knew my mum really well and knew my sort of family we, history. Did you go to your GP? Yeah, went yeah. to my GP and and I like I was lucky enough to get in that day and she sort of knew I'd known her for many years mm-hmm. and so I did the questionnaire and and it came up was quite severely depressed. Yeah, and I probably and did you think you were depressed? Not at all. And that's gone back to you. I think probably if you took it right now mm-hmm. in a in a environment in the doctor's office and answering it quite honestly, mm-hmm. you'd probably come up in that category. Yeah. And that's the thing with depre- you know, depression, you don't, I never thought I was depressed yeah. because I, I was functional. And I think that's a lot of misconception around depression is you think, you know, oh, well, I'm not suicidal and I'm not, yeah. you know, sleeping all day and not getting out of bed and not having showers or something like, you know, that's what you think a depressed person is. When yeah. actually a depressed person can be totally functioning and, you know, showing no outward signs of, of anything being amiss. Yeah. But actually, un- underneath, there's like a really strong current of... Exactly. And I think, you know, in that in that period of time I was dealing with, we did, you know, um, electric shock therapy, which nowadays is very subtle. Taboo, very, is it not? Not now. It's no. it, it does happen and it's done... Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, and at that time I'd been doing a... Um, looking after people that had had it and really so and they it's for severe depression mm-hmm. so sort of resistant to medication so yeah. I you know um it didn't affect me but in my in my mind that's what depression sort of was yeah yeah anyway so I went to the doc- anyway I was quite which sort of you know when she talked about it with me and and it's, it sort of made sense yeah. like you know like decreased appetite and maybe sleeping a bit more and but you know in nursing you could Shift work, getting used to it, especially when you know you've sort of just started. You might have just assumed you were fucking tired, exactly, and worn out. Yeah. So she recommended some um, antidepressants, which citalopram, which I was happy to start, and mm-hmm. sort of on the notion of it's sort of not a permanent thing, and mm-hmm. and it's to get you through this um, sort of phase, and recommend some therapy, which I was very much open to, and mm-hmm. fortunately. My dad was very supportive and helped me, you know, off to pay for it, some of it with me, which, you know, so, which I did. Mm-hmm. And um, sort of after that, it was it was a bit of a wake-up call, like, you'd never think, I'm a depressed person. No. But, you know, I was quite happy, and I, I didn't have any shame in that, like, no. you know, you know, things had happened, and that was fine. And then so, you know, I was taking my antidepressants and going to the therapy and it was cognitive behavioural therapy, which was really very valid. And I think mm-hmm. I, I recommend it to anybody Yeah. Um, when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And in a way, like, I was quite committed to wanting to feel better and, mm-hmm. and obviously quite concerned at what had happened and wanted to make sure this didn't happen again. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And anyway, so life sort of went on and, and I sort of, you know, I'm now 24, 25, and I'd sort of got gone off the antidepressants. Didn't find a huge difference. I was still very yeah. functional. But um, I sort of would, you know, strive to, for finding more challenging jobs or sort of put myself in positions where I wasn't vulnerable but wanted to help others yeah. to feel better because I knew how helpful it was when I felt better. Mm-hmm. So... And this is all in hindsight. So I'd go for jobs that, you know, I think in a nutshell made me realise that if I was feeling a bit 
because I, I guess during this time I always sort of felt fine and functional, but there's always a big black cloud. Yes. Like, there yeah. just is. Like, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I'd, I'd sort of get jobs that made me sort of feel like my life was... Had a purpose and... Yeah, and not so bad. Like, you know, you're looking after people with these horrendous cancers or mm-hmm. hu- terrible prognosis as, like, young young people with families and it sort of gave you in my mind a bit of perspective like mm-hmm. look at the good you've got and yeah. it, it it did help me like that mm-hmm. but sort of during this sort of period of time you know mum had died and then um dad's best friend sort of like my godfather died quite suddenly of melanoma which mm-hmm. was unexpected and dad and then you know my um best friend's father who died of suicide my uncle that had dropped dead and um, then what happened was is my, my auntie, who helped me and my mm-hmm. dad nurse mum, got bowel cancer. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't fucking believe it. Yeah. Like, out of everybody, like mm-hmm. you were talking about before, what's she ever done? Yeah. And she's now has to have this huge operation, mm-hmm. a life-changing, body-altering body operation. And she was so good and so proud about it. And But, you know, naturally... She was in Wellington. I wanted to be there. Like mm-hmm. she'd been so good to me. Yeah. And and she's had she's got two daughters who were fabulous. But mm-hmm. you know, like I felt guilty that I wasn't there enough. And then I sort of felt like Dad was getting a bit older, and you know, he's lost his wife. He's lost his best friend. He lost his other best friend, my my um, uncle, and sort of. He was feeling it a bit, yeah. you know, at about 65 and, we, you know, he, he still had lots of friends, but I was feeling guilty about what's he done to deserve to have so much loss. People. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. All of a sudden there was quite a big sort of sense of loss. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I was getting on a bit and then everyone around me started having, getting engaged and having children and it's a phase of life and yeah. it's fantastic and that's mm-hmm. what people do, but... You know, it wasn't happening for me, and it wasn't something that, you know, I had other things going on. Like I got to travel every year, and and you know, I was doing well in my nursing, and I'd managed to, um, my my great uncle, who had passed away, because of him, I was able to buy a house, and lots of good things was happening. Yeah, so in yeah. a way, it was like, you've got no reason to feel like a yeah. big black cloud. Like my mum's died, but everything else, you know, and uh, you know, I know what you were saying, like. You, you've experienced a lot of loss, which is obviously devastating. But at the same time, there's a lot of like positive happening in your life. You're doing well in your career. You're making some major like adult life choices, like buying a house and everything like that. You know, you sort of feel like and how lucky to be yeah, that age. How I was grateful able am I? To, yeah, a hundred percent. And what have I got to complain about? Like, yeah, you know, again dealing with on a daily basis these people, you know, dying of these horrible diseases, and you know, and then, um, but. You know, I think it, from about 26, I just started to, I guess from when my auntie got sick, chip away mm-hmm. at me, like, I don't understand, like, why does bad s- shit keep happening to me yeah. in a way? Even though you're not the one that's sick, I definitely feel like that, like... Yeah, like, and you start to think, is it something I've done, or, like, I don't... No why am else? I fucking cursed? Yeah, like, and, it, and it's sort of like a bit of a spectrum, like, yeah. good stuff's happening to me as well, but on one hand sort of if people are dying and mm-hmm. I'm feeling really sad for my dad and then most of my friends are getting engaged and having kids and I'm sort of a little bit in no man's land. Bit like, of a limbo. Who You're in limbo, I? yeah. Yeah. 
and then sort of but again I you know perspective and I got to travel each year and and my job was good there was and but then I started to feel like I think about the age of about 29 quite a failure mm-hmm. like who am I I'm you know single 29 everyone's married with the kids you know I feel like my family's dwindling down um what's wrong with me yeah yeah. So again, like always something onto the next, well, I'll change jobs. Yeah. So I, I changed jobs and and it was quite, I won't talk about where I worked, but quite horrific. And I ended up leaving because one very, very sick man who weighed 150 kilos fell on me. Yeah. And there was no one to help. Yeah. And I was like, it just wasn't good. Yeah. It wasn't a good work environment. It wasn't right? a good work environment. and. No. And it's, it's interesting because you feel like you're so in control. Like, mm-hmm. I recognized it wasn't a good environment, do something else, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, what ended up happening was, is um, after I turned 30 and found Dad pretty much dead on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was... Um, I, just for those that aren't up to date, she's referencing when she came home from her 30th birthday and her dad was, like, deathly ill, right? Yep. On the and, floor. Yeah, and you called an ambulance and came, got him, and he was pretty close to dying but yeah they they managed to get to him in time and he had a like unknown infection yeah nearly killed it. him yeah yeah and that for you was like a hugely traumatic event yeah it was sort of the last sort of the um, straw that broke the camel's back in a way like what sort of like what the fuck like yeah you know there was no my second mother had died my auntie who i've talked about previously anyway so i thought okay well this is the time now um I need to do something with my life. So I thought I'd move overseas. Mm-hmm. So off I went, moved overseas. And yeah. I got a really good job and very fortunate. And it was great. And then I did got a really bad back injury. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those situations where I just couldn't control the back injury. Like mm-hmm. it was so consuming. It was so painful. I couldn't sort of sleep. I felt like a bit like sort of not incapacitated like Thomas. But, but having watched Thomas go through that, it is fucking unbearable. Yeah. And there's no escaping the pain. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. And it's very debilitating. Yeah. And I didn't have many, I didn't have much support around me. Because you were overseas at the time? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and for the first time in my life, I couldn't control how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, and I was completely sort of a little bit isolated. So I came home Um got another job and then suddenly out of the blue again started doing things like I forgot how to get to work um I wasn't sleeping Mm -hmm. I'd sort of completely um screw up my roster get the days wrong and I'm quite I'm a very reliable person I would Mm -hmm. never get days wrong and sort of just absolutely lost lost it and at the time did you think you were losing your fucking mind no 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 and that's what the scary thing was. And it wasn't until something quite catastrophic happened in my job. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't hurt a patient or, or, or there was nothing to do with that. But it was, you know, very concerning where yeah. I had to sort of step back and think and have to sort of leave mm-hmm. and realised I was in sort of big big trouble, like yeah. mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I had to sort of stop working and take a step back and it was absolutely totally soul destroying yeah 
um, is sort of like your world is absolutely ending. Mm-hmm. I can wholeheartedly say it was worse than, not selfishly, but losing someone, mm-hmm. like knowing that you, you're in a state of basically not in control mm-hmm. of how you're feeling and what yeah. you're doing. And um, anyway, I, I did a lot of therapy and came to sort of the resolution that I think I just bottled so much up, mm-hmm. not allowed myself to grieve or mm-hmm. um, sort of recognize my limits. Mm-hmm. And that is what had happened. Yeah. And so, like, you know, although at some stages I'd realized what, you know, how I'm feeling and, and how I'm not, what's normal and what's not, was good, I'd never taken the time. And I think at the end, there was about 11 people that had died over those years, taking the time to sort of grieve and, and listen to my body. That and process those Yeah, there things. was no process. Yeah. No. No. And even though I thought I had and, mm-hmm. you know, was on the medication and stuff. You thought you were doing all the right things yeah. and everything like that. But you are also keeping yourself so distracted and so busy yeah. and so hyper-focused on, like, one sort of specific area of your life at a time. Yeah. You weren't taking in the whole, right? That's right. And then, and but the main thing was is the guilt of feeling like an absolute failure, mm-hmm. you know, not having a family. Um, Which is by no means the case. No, I know. But in that, that mindset, yeah. you know, like my father not having grandchildren yet mm. or maybe I'm not living the life that mum would like. Or, you feel like you're letting her down or, almost? Yeah, like all sorts of shit that's so thinking back is so unreasonable but Mm -hmm. at the time not knowing that all these thoughts were so sort of um bad and consuming Mm -hmm. that because life sort of went on every day and and stuff how catastrophic it can it can build up and happen and so you know that's when I talk about when we talk about you and you know your distraction with the books Mm -hmm. like I think it's actually quite healthy Mm -hmm. and I think well I personally would never let you get to a phase of not dealing with your stuff properly yeah. because, you know, um, bad things can happen. Mm. Um, but on a positive, you know, I stepped down from nursing, had some time off mm-hmm. and dealt with what I needed to do. And I can say it's been the best year of my life. So yeah. there's always positives. And so after the, like the big event and stuff yeah. like that, when you like had the drama at work and you decided to leave, you then started did you then go back? Like, were you in therapy this whole time or had you no. taken a break or? No, no. I went to therapy for about, it's quite expensive. And mm-hmm. that's like the other thing. For and people. it wasn't funded in any way. No, oh. I think probably if, if I'd really, um, dived into it, I probably could get funding, but mm-hmm. I made the decision that I had the financial means, which mm-hmm. I'm very, you know, pro- privileged to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and made the commitment that I would do this for six months because mm-hmm. I didn't want to feel fucked up. No, like, no. And I wanted. And did to you recognize on. at the time that you were feeling fucked up, or you just were ignoring it and trying to like I was power through? It. Yeah, just ignoring it, power through what I normally did, mm-hmm. rationalize that my life's good, yeah, that I've got lots of good things happening, and that people are much worse off than I am. Yeah, yeah. So um, who am I to feel like shit and overwhelmed and stuff like that? Yeah, There's like, people out there like... Who do you think you are? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. people... Like I've got this lovely house that... Yeah. Um, and I've got a beautiful like pussycat, great flatmate, mm-hmm. great family, great friends. Who do you think you are to feel like this? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if... I don't know if that's sort of a part of societal norms now. Yeah. To sort of 
realize like your rock bottom is not the same as someone else's, you know, like, and I don't think it's one of those things you can kind of compare. Like, I think that's one of like the struggles that people have with mental health is like, there's no, you can't compare yourself to anyone else. There's no sort of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, there's a spectrum, but yeah. who can identify with what? Like, yeah. who who choose, like, you can't just say I'm this yeah, when it, someone else is that. Yeah, like, you yeah. can't, there's not, it's, it's because it's something you can't physically see or, like, you know, it's not like a an illness where you can, you know, they can test your blood or whatever or do a scan and see what the fuck's happening. Yeah. Like, it's really all happening so internally. Like, it's yeah. hard to, like, I sometimes sort of um, think about, like, when I was trying to explain, I think to a therapist, my sort of my feelings, mm-hmm. like I could quite easily stand up in front of 500 people and do a speech mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. but I'm still at my rock bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you can put on a good front. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know, you, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You can still have your feeling. Yeah. But now when I look back now, like. I was absolutely not okay. Like not. Sleeping. You're like a high functioning depressed person. Yeah. yeah. And sort of yeah, like yeah. Until not, you didn't function. Yeah. Until my body physically, and it's almost like I feel like. I guess serotonin or something was. Depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scary thing was, is out of everything that had happened, mm-hmm. the catalyst of mm-hmm. this, which I'm quite happy to say, breakdown, was. My severe back injury. Wow. Because I couldn't control yeah. um, the physicality of it, yeah. the pain, and being so consumed by, I can't perform at work, yeah. or I'm letting people down. Yeah. I think that's what it was, is yeah. calling in sick because my back's hurt, like, what a failure. Yeah, yeah. And probably that's just, you know, standards of myself, or or like... Personal expectations. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the guilt. I've mm-hmm. always suffered from severe guilt, like... Yeah. I don't know what, but the big black cloud. Anyway, yeah. the big black cloud is now gone, and I've worked through it. Mm-hmm. But um, and so how like that final break? How long ago was that for you? Now the fun, the the big breakdown happened in November. Shit, nineteen. Yeah. Um, and it took a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good year, but you know, a lot of self learning and self. Mm-hmm you know, development and therapy and I had good jobs and stuff mm-hmm. um, to finally sort of come out the other side. Mm-hmm. But it's so worth doing. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I think there's always a silver lining and yeah. and I've reached that sort of feeling of I'm okay now and yeah. I, it won't happen again. Mm-hmm. But, you know. And you're aware of like the warning signs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was just. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, and. It won't happen again because I know how to deal with the feelings of guilt and, and yeah, just know what works for me and what doesn't. And, mm-hmm. like, again, we talked about in the episode before this, like, sometimes um, I do just want to be on my own, in my own, sort of, I'm having a bad time or not a bad time, but just feeling not myself, like... Feeling a bit fucking blue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's totally fine. And, and and it's important to remember self-care. Like, it's important that if you recognize that you need a fucking bit of time to yourself or whatever, or you need to take a break from, like, the, the everyday stresses of life, like, 
I will do it and not yeah, feel guilty. Yeah, do it and don't feel fucking guilty. Like there's no reason to feel guilty. Like No. But and, it's, it's easier said than done, obviously. Yeah. But no, I'm happy now and I can, I'm, I'm happy to say that that's what I'm doing. I'm just like, I'll say to my flatmate, like I, he might come home and I'm lying watching something in my room in bed at four o'clock. Usually I'd like back in the day, I'd be like, make some excuse yeah. like what I'm doing. And now I'm just like, oh, just having some chill time and he'd be like, okay, yeah. I don't feel guilty about it at all. And I yeah. feel so lucky and yeah. it's so liberating mm-hmm. to be like, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so going back to you and reading your books, like fabulous. Yeah. Reading yeah. your books. <laughs> but I still do want you to go to your, uh, do some, when the time's right to do some therapy because I it know. is. I know. I know. I'm aware that I need to. And it's just one of those things that I'm just, I'm currently just putting it in the too fucking hard It basket. is confronting. Yeah. It is, it, and it's, it's for anyone else who's thinking about doing therapy or whatever, it is draining. Mm. Like I, I, I've done it before actually. Yeah. Like I did a couple of years of therapy, like when I was, I think twelve and thirteen, because that's the age for me that I understood what was happening with my dad. I understood, yeah. like I think, you know, that's a pretty, you know, those formative years as as an early teen. I, I all of a sudden realized that maybe my family wasn't totally normal and yeah. or and whatever, and I was having really I was having a really fucking hard time at school. I didn't enjoy school at all. And my parents sent me to a very, very academic school, which is, as a young kid, that fucking wasn't my strong suit. Like, I really struggled with that very strict environment that I was in and and, and everything else. And, you know, like, and so, you know, I think... I went. I went to therapy. I think, I mean, I think I was depressed sort of, as a tween and and didn't know how to deal with that sort of shit and so the school that I went to they sort of said oh you know I think Zoe needs some therapy well, and that's I good. they recognize it yeah, yeah yeah I mean obviously I don't know necessarily if they recognized it it was just such a fucking wanky school that they were like oh she's hard work like oh, get her yeah. some therapy because we don't want to deal with her bullshit because I yeah I was a little asshole at school oh, but an absolute asshole. Oh, yeah yeah but I yeah I just went to like a very very small private school so um, yeah, I, I had a, a couple of years of therapy and, and I think as well, that's probably part of why I don't think I was that damaged later in life by my dad's heavy drinking and the life Absolutely. choices that he made and, and, you know, relationships within my family. I sort of, I, I, I worked through that, you know, in my early years. And I remember sort of maybe when I was about 14, the therapist sort of saying like, you know. I think you're okay and I don't think you need to come back anymore and, and you know, whatever. Like, I, it definitely was 100% helpful at the time. Yeah. You can't put your finger on it, eh? Like no, therapy, no. Like, people are like, oh, so how did it work for you? Or, like, it's, it's weird because like, you just go to a room and you just it. fucking talk to someone. Yeah. And they talk, and like, I, I, I mean, I can't very remember super clearly, like, what happened in those weekly sessions, but... Obviously, they fucking helped me. And you can't put a price on it. Like No. Yeah, you definitely can't. And again, like, I'm fortunate that my family was able to afford it because we went privately and, you know, like, I had a really positive experience. I had a really good therapist and, like, yeah. That's, again, a feeling like you're so lucky. Well, exactly, because I'm sure there's lots of other kids out there that probably were fucking assholes and maybe a bit fucked up from, you know... Their childhood. From their childhoods. And, and, you know, like, I, I had a 
relatively fucking good childhood. I mean, I'm sure my dad was drunk all the time, but <laughs> like, you know, we had a nice house and we could afford yeah. what we needed to. Like I could go to private schools and stuff like that. But but there was obviously other shit that's going exactly. on as well. And yeah. like, you know, you sort of think, oh, well, you know, oh, I don't know. You're this privileged. Like, why would you? What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, why, why would yeah. you need therapy? Like, what the fuck's so wrong with you and stuff? And it's just like. Yeah, I know. It's, it's tricky because. It's tricky. I don't know. I feel like I don't talk about that that much. But like, no, you don't. But also like back to therapy, like when I um, obviously had to stop working and stuff and didn't have the, the biggest income, mm-hmm. I like basically my income went by 50%. Mm-hmm. And But I did make the decision that, you know, it was a commitment. It was yeah. going to cost us much. And, yeah. you know, if you need to make it work, mm. you will. Yeah. You, you, you may need some help, but. Um, it is, it is worth it, and yeah. it can be doable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know ACC, and and I don't know enough about that, but there is, you know, within um, I know nursing and maybe other sort of um, industries, industries like police, there is available services for yeah. you, and they're certainly worth looking into. Mm. Um, even yeah. even with you know, like in my situation having had my mum pass away from cancer and having hospice involved, there were there was yeah. like counselling available through hospice. And I was going to go to a grief seminar and at the last minute I just sort of decided not to because I sort of, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I probably should have gone, but it was one of those situations where I was like, I just, I honestly can't be fucking bothered right now. I don't yeah. want to go to like a big group meeting where everyone talks about how sad they are that someone's died because – yeah, I understand. I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. I understand that I'm depressed right now because my mum's died, and I, I, I know exactly what I'm doing. But I probably should go and see a therapist to help me actually like move past the. Yeah, yeah it's it's all good and well to understand, you know, that you're having certain crutches to cope with the day to day, but I don't necessarily know what I need to do to like kick myself out of well, this precisely that's what happened i understood what was going on yeah. like i felt shit because of this but because of that it's okay mm. it didn't <laughs> work that well for me so you know um you know i highly recommend therapy but it will you know you'll know when when you want to and when yeah. you have the like physicality to do it yeah and, and the mindset to do it but i've been to those hospice things and and i'll go with you next time and they're quite valuable yeah and what was so, it like when you went Exactly how you said. Like a big room full of people talking about how they're sad someone's died? Yeah, but, it, yeah, but it, it, it's just it is people's experiences and it is, it, it sort of makes you feel validated in a yeah. way and, and yeah. that like you're not alone and mm. because, you know, lots of people do die but it's still very fucking lonely. Like yeah. I will wholeheartedly say no matter how lucky I am to have family and friends around me, um, it is sometimes fucking lonely. Yeah. Because you... Yeah, and, and I think sometimes I feel like, I don't know, not not guilty, but I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, my parents have died, and that's that's sad for me, but, well, most people's parents will die at some point, so just fucking get over it, whereas, like, I think maybe someone who's lost a baby or a husband or, yeah. or someone, you know, who's much younger than what my parents were, I'm like, oh, well, I can understand why they would be, like, completely distraught and overcome with grief where you know we pretty much everyone on our show so far who's talked about grief has, has talked about a parent dying yeah. and so I sort of feel like oh well 
yeah, sure, I'm sad about my mum dying and I'm completely sad about it. But everyone is at some point in their life more likely than not to lose, lose a, parent. a parent. So yeah. it sort of feels like, oh, well. What have you got? Yeah, like. Just because we're 34. Yeah, opposed to, you know, like. 65. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's still a long time, but I get what you're saying. Like, like, how can you compare a loss to, like, someone who's lost a child? Oh, or that's horrendous. I mean, I, I absolutely, well, I, got, I can't comprehend having having lost a child. Like, that just, yeah, you know, that, that would be fucking unbearable. And, you know, but that that's not to say that I feel any less devastated about losing my mum. No. Mm. That's right. But, you know, in the future there will be people that do talk about um, the loss of someone different. Yeah. And I guess that's another thing to explore. And as we say, grief is linear. You can't – everyone interprets it differently. And and you can't put a time frame on it. You can't be like, okay, well, you know what? It's going to take you six months. It's going to take you a year. It's definitely not going to take you six months because I'm six months in. And it's just like – it still does not even fucking feel real to me. I'll tell you right now, it takes – a lifetime. <laughs> Forever. Like yeah. you never, it is It is a catastrophic event mm-hmm. that you never get over. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, time does make things easier, but you will never, ever forget that loss. No. And I think that's the most, one of the most valuable things I ever learned yeah. from um, a therapist is that, you know, you're not meant to just suddenly, I think people sometimes have the expectation that, you know, it's been a year, I'll feel better now. Yeah. Well, you don't. Yeah. It changes Different things happen in your life. You have yeah. children. Like, I know that when I have children, there'll be another grief cycle because mum's not there to see it. Yeah, but you'll grieve for the fact that they don't get to meet their grandma. Yeah, yeah. and that'll happen, you know, I don't know, the, the kids might turn 21 and, and whatever, and grandma's not there. But that's the thing with, with losing someone at a young age is it is a catastrophic event. It will never change. And mm. it's just, it is a part of life, but it's a bad part of life. But mm. once you know that you can expect that you'll feel shit at certain times and learn Mm -hmm. to deal with it. And I think it's important to sort of be aware of like the grief might take you by surprise. You might think you've got a handle on it. You might think you're living your life normally. Like, you know, I'm doing really well at work and I've, you know, I've got this beautiful house or I've got like a lovely husband and like wonderful kids. Everything's going really well for me. You know, why should I be sad that my mum's not here? Because lots of people that I know, have lost a parent. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, even my age now, have lost a parent. Yeah. And it's, and, you know, I've got friends that have lost parents really, really young. And, and I have friends that have lost parents and they haven't died. They've just fucked off to the other side of the world exactly. and want nothing to do with them. And it's yeah. like, is their grief any less than mine? No. You know, like, it's sort of like. <laughs> never assume or never expect. Yeah. About how someone feels or about mm. how they deal with grief and focus on you know, how you feel, and allow yourself to feel shit. Yeah. That's honestly all I have to say, and and go with that. And I think it's I think it's really important, like, especially in my situation now, like, I'm allowed to feel fucking bummed out sometimes, and I feel bummed out a lot Good. at the moment, yeah. and I'm sort of, like, well aware of that. Like, you know, I I don't feel like... I have to make excuses and shit like that. Like, if I want to be fucking sad on my birthday or fucking sad on Mother's Day, like, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And no one can tell me fucking to, like, oh, you know, buck up and put a smile on your dial. Yeah. Like, absolutely not. I'm going to 
cry in the corner because I fucking want to. And that's healthy. And yeah. I think, and I think that is, if, you know, once you know that and don't have to hide anything, I think that's I mean, it cool. almost feels... It yourself up. It almost feels a little bit selfish sometimes, I think, to be like, well, do you know what? Today, I'm just going to be sad. And I'm going to be sad all day. And... That's not selfish. No, but like... I can see how, you know, you could feel that way, but mm. I think it's actually probably very very healthy well I think it's hard because you feel sometimes like you know especially when you you know you you've got to get up every day and go to work or you've got to get up every day and like put on a smile for the kids and stuff which you know I definitely try and do but at the same time it's like sometimes I just I just want to miss them like and I just want to be sad about it and I don't want anyone to make me feel guilty because I want to feel fucking sad yeah no I think there's Nothing wrong with that. And I sort of wish I knew Do you wish that. you had done that more? As You know, just been like, you know what? Today I'm having a sad day. Yeah. But again, I always felt guilty like, you know, oh, I'm being like this because, well, I thought people would think like, because my mum died. Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, so like, what oh, if you were oh, acting like oh, that? Oh, poor Lizzie with the dead mum. Yeah. Poor. It was like, it was a little bit like that for a while because, mm-hmm. you know, I was young and mum was young. Yeah. And... I hate, you know, self-pity or people yes, feeling sorry yes, for you. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But I wish now, like, I could be like, yeah, I fucking feel like shit. Mm-hmm. My mum died. I've just been dumped. Yeah. I've got a sore tooth or something. Yeah. And I feel like shit and yeah. not have to, like, worry about it. And I think... And I mean, it's like, as someone in their early 20s or whatever, like, at any age... Fucking getting dumped feels shit. Oh, yeah. Getting dumped when you can't fucking cry on your mum's shoulder, I can't even fucking imagine. Oh, no. I can't imagine. Like, because mum would just say, I'll oh, get fucking rid. He was a dick. Anyway. Oh. Like, sometimes you just use those, those words of affirmation. And my auntie, who the one who passed away, was just so good like that. Like, yeah. she was so loyal, and everything you said, she would be like, yep, you know, like, I agree. Or, or she'd just say something that mm. was just like, so good yeah. that you could just like, you know, not get over it, but like no. laugh and like. And it's also good. Like it's so wonderful. Like not that when someone else can fill, fill the gap, but like the other day, um, Gina, who was on the show um, talking about her stepdad, David, we like caught up for coffee and stuff like that. And as I got in my car driving and I was driving home and she called me and she was like, I just wanted to call you because I know that every time you get in the car, you call your mom. And I just wanted to call you because I know that you're missing oh, that. Like, Jane. I know it was so sweet. Cause like, I would literally like anytime I'd go anywhere or do anything or like catch up with friends or whatever. I'd always like, as soon as I jump in the car, I'd call mom and be like, so-and-so's doing this and yeah, blah, blah, blah. And like, debrief. this is the goss and like, this is what's happening and stuff. And it was like so sweet that she, like, she knows me so well that she knows that that's what I do. Yeah. And so when she like, you know, called me and she's like, I've literally just been having like breakfast with her. And she's like, I just wanted to call you because I know that this is when you'd always call your mom. And so, talk about probably and, Gina. Yeah. Like, probably talk about her. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just breakfast. like catch up and say what she's up to and all that sort of stuff. And she's like, you know, I know I just saw you, but I just wanted to call you because I know you'd call your mom on the drive home. And I was like, oh, I fucking would. And like, I'm so lucky that I've got such like, you know, wonderful girlfriends. And like, I do call them every time I get in the car because it's just nice to just talk while you drive. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, you know, calling mum is is one of the things that I miss the most oh. is just 
talking to her and you know her and I like we're both big readers and we'd always read the same books and all that sort of stuff and you know it's hard not having that one person who you know you kind of likes all the same people. shit as you and yeah. knows you that well and yeah and stuff it's so almost like a limb's gone people it often is. say that it is, like your limb. It is. Yeah. yeah it's like like she was such my mum was such an extension of myself yeah. and like now it feels like she's gone and it's just like yeah fuck I could call her voicemail and leave her a big long message I should do that you can do that yeah oh, I, don't, I don't know if mum's phone's still active I don't know I've got it here in the house somewhere I should try let's ring it yeah. ring it and just yeah ring it and listen to her voicemail and stuff like that and I go through her phone and like look at her photos and because my mum was like such a little goose I love her but she could never take a photo with her fucking eyes open and so oh. I went through I went through all her photos and like now with iPhones they're all live photos and I hold down my <gasps> finger on the photos and she's like okay take the photo my eyes are open and it's just like fuck is she that. still there doing that well, yeah, because the photos are live. Oh. You know, if you hold down the photo, like she doesn't realize, like it's like a little snippet of a video, and she's there but talking. But you've got those. Oh, I've got them all on her phone, and it's just like they're from like photos from all her trips and stuff like that. And well, hopefully, so next time on our episodes, mm-hmm. we hope to individually yes. go speak to um, a psychic, a psychic, which yeah. we talked about last time. So these things might come up. Yeah. So we. We, I don't know if you guys have listened to the episode where we talked to Shanae. We, she has given me the number for her psychic. So, and, uh, you know, we talked last time as well about um, whether or not, you know, I've, I've seen one before and that was a bit of a quack and stuff like that. So now that and I wasn't keen at all. You weren't keen but, at all. But if I, I go, you'll go, yeah, right? Yeah, we, we'll do it. Yep. So my plan is to go and I'll make an appointment or we'll both make appointments to yep. maybe see the psychic and hopefully the next time you hear from us, it'll be us talking about what they say. Because yep. I want to go in like, I just want to say like, this is, you know, how I want to come and talk to I'm not going to wear any jewellery or anything that could maybe like be like, you know, how people wear jewellery. You've definitely lost someone. But, like, but you know, no, but don't sometimes, I mean, I've, I don't know, there's all sorts of different types of psychics and mediums and stuff out there and like I'm pretty skeptical but I have heard of some that will be like oh I need to hold a piece of jewelry that you've worn for like yeah but I'm just gonna bring years. it in my pocket I'm not gonna wear anything that could suggest I've got about 10 people that have died living on me why because you know you're mean? so you're wearing so much bling <laughs> kind of I mean, you are. You're wearing a few rings and stuff. Like, I wear my mum's bracelet and one of her, <laughs> one of her engagement rings, the old floozy. Um, but it's not. It's not clearly an engagement ring because there's no. It's just gold. So, anyway, that's just me. I'm just like we can. You can. But I don't. You know, like I mean, it's. I guess we'll, we'll have to see what they say because it's very easy to say. Oh, I feel a strong female presence like in the past. And at our age, you'd maybe assume you could be like, oh, well, that's my grandma and it's important, yeah. you know, like, or your you, great auntie. Like, yeah, who knows? yeah. But, but do you say to them, do you then on the spot be like, oh, yes, that's my mum? Or yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to, I want to go and like real poker face and be like, okay, who is it? Yeah, I am too. Like, I don't want to give fucking anything away. No, so that's what we're going to, that's what we will be that's discussing our on our next episodes well here's hoping if we can we'll, we'll make a time and we'll see if we can get in and, and and see someone and then like report back to everyone because i think it'd be really interesting i'd be very interested to see what they say if they are like super super genuine and the 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 number the you know the recommendation we have for the psychic is someone that more than like not only Sinead but a, another one of my girlfriends has absolutely sworn by and yeah. the information that she 
gave to my girlfriend who I'll give, I won't say her name because she probably doesn't want her business on our podcast, but you know, her predictions came 100% true. So, you know, I don't know if it's a case of what you interpret, but we'll see. We'll we'll see. see. We'll see. Hopefully it's ideally we could record them and maybe, you know, show some you can listen to some snippets, but we'll see. I don't know what the... They, they might not be okay with not. that. She might be a bit funny about it. and But I'd, we'll see. Yeah, we might try and record it on the down low and maybe we'll just... We'll reenact it or something because, you know, it might be not kosher to play someone's recording without their permission. I don't want to go in being like, can I record this? And no, be shit, like, no. Oh, no, no, I no, wouldn't no. do anything un, un, like... Untoward. Yeah, no, I don't want to... No, not at all. Well, but yeah, um, we'll see. Yeah, well, so. hopefully that's something really exciting for you guys uh, next time. And if if we can't make it happen before then, um, it will definitely happen in the future. Yeah, it'll definitely be something. And and I definitely want to see that the I will I want to try and listen to the tape. You found the tape that from oh, your yeah. mum's. Well, I found I told you earlier. Mum had a oh that was another regret. But anyway, party. she she went and saw a psychic. And she has it all recorded, right? Yeah. On it, on it, but it's like an old school cassette. cassette tape. So we need to find a fucking cassette player. I don't know where you'd find one of those Who cares? in this we'll day and age. One. We might have to scope out some op shops until we find an old school stereo. Yeah. Play it back and see if there's any like juicy tidbits in there. Because yeah. that's the one where she said they discussed you and she didn't want to tell you what they said. Right? Something like that. It was like either they didn't discuss me or she wouldn't tell you what they tell said. you what they discussed. Oh, interesting. But I feel like if it's on tape. Like, I mean, uh, who knows? You know, we'll, we'll It'll report. be interesting to listen yeah. to if we can... Yeah. I won't listen. I've never listened to it, and I won't until until it was the right time, but... Do you feel like it's the right time absolutely. now? Absolutely. Yeah. If I've got you by my side... Oh, yes. I, I will 100% listen to it. I'm very interested to listen to it with yeah. you. Because, like, I never met your mum, so I really feel like... I know. I, I know. You know, like, it'd be a way for me to get to know her a little bit better. Yeah. Well, you'll certainly get to know her on the, her um, birthday party... Um, DVD. Oh, I want to watch that as well. We need to get, yeah. Actually, I think I've got a DVD as well from like my mum's like childhood videos and stuff. So I should show that to you as well. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, anyway, guys, that's probably enough for this episode. Yeah, so thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to us talk and about again. If you know, like a few people have side, sort of side mentioned to me, like, oh, you know, I want to ask you guys like questions or tell us. They feel a story, but they're like I want to message you, so just message just us. Just do yeah. it. Feel like, free, like, and you can, yeah. DM us on the Instagram, or, or send person, us an email, yeah. or whatever. Like, we, we do love hearing from you, and you know, we're definitely open to having other people come on the show and share their stories and stuff. And yeah. and it's still really encouraging to hear, like, you know, that people are interested, and you know, in any way we're helping them. So just come forward. It's it's fun and it's good and it's good for the soul. So yeah. It's very therapeutic just sharing, even though I'm not going to therapy. Like, well, you this, should be. But I should so, be, and I will be. But like yeah. this, this podcast as well has like helped, helped a lot, and just like, yeah, talking about shit and. So just reach out. We're always here. Yeah. All anyway, right. thanks for listening. Okay. Bye. And that's us for today. Thank you so much for listening to us waffle on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Death and All the Rest. And if you have a question or you'd like to share your story, you can email us at daatrpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. This podcast was born out of a need to talk about our personal experiences with death. To be clear, we are not mental health professionals. 
We are simply sharing our stories. 